sometimes people who come up with the wrong answers um, were the smart ones <laughs> in this world. That, you know, we all know that's the case. And that's where this episode wants to go next. Let me think about that. Yeah, because there's some danger in turning around as well in the face of a storm. So let's say all things considered, based on all previous evidence of all aeroplane travel in history, um, that the wisest thing to do is to punch through the storm. All right, let's say that. So one pilot uses all that reasoning, has been studying um, the history of aviation, all that sort of stuff, and that pilot decides to punch through the storm. The other pilot flips a coin and turns around, you know, because it came up tails, and turns around and goes back to the airport. Now, the one that punched through the storm, uh, that plane crashes. And it becomes a question of, you know, when do you care about the reasoning and when do you care about whether a, a, a pilot, for example, gets the right answer or not? Now, what I would do is give the, the pilot that survived there, you know, that turned the plane around and um, came back to the airport, you know, I'd give him the sack. That's the first thing I'd do. I'd say, thank you very much for not killing everybody, but you're suspended. You know, your pilot's license is revoked because that was a stupid thing to do. Foolish. You know, that's what I would do if I was the CAA. Is that the Civil Aviation Authority? You know, I'd give that pilot a sack, the sack, you know. And the pilot that crashed the plane, everyone did. You know, um, if I was the CAA, you know, I would say he was a good pilot. He never made a mistake. If you're a pilot in an aeroplane in which I'm a passenger and there's a huge storm ahead and um, you can either go through it or you can turn around and go back to the airport. You've got two choices. Uh, I, um, I don't care what your reasoning is as long as you make the right decision as a pilot. Okay, so in that case, only the answer matters. And, um, and, and the same goes with profits, I think. Uh, people uh, want their profits to come up with the right answer, to predict, predict the right answers, and they don't care whether they've guessed them or whether they've... Uh, gone through a logical sort of educated guess process to get to uh, their answers or, you know, whether they've reached into the heavens for the answer. We don't really care. In fact, it's, a, it's, a, it's an important thing for a prophet to uh, hide the reasoning and produce only the answer and hopefully to amaze the audience and get some cash off them too, you know. Um, okay, so, you know, prophets, you know, sometimes they would guess. Uh, sometimes 
they were, you know, I think usually they would use reasoning, you know, educated guesses, you know, what's likely to happen, you know, and, uh, and word the prophecy as carefully as possible to maximise the chances that they're right um, and use tricks like that. But, you know, uh, the, and, and at the end, um, and keep that hidden. You know, whatever method they use, whether it's guessing or using reasoning, um, you know, to make an educated guess what's likely to happen. You know, like you could have predicted this virus and a couple of people did. You know, this virus we've got, in fact, a couple of people predicted it would come from Wuhan province in China and got that right, you know. Uh, and, and that, um, you know, there, that would be a, a combination of guessing and, and reasoning, you know. they um, smart people, you know, there's some authors who predicted that this virus would emerge from Wuhan province, you know. But there were other authors who would have predicted that the virus, a, a virus like this, would emerge from a diff, other province, provinces in China. See, that's another method. Uh, look, often it's a, um, a combination of reasoning and guessing, you know. So it's an educated guess. All right, that's what the definition of an educated guess is, I suppose. Um, yeah, they would have noticed uh, prophets all over the place. And I don't mean formal registered prophets. I mean, even authors in books you know, writing fiction, you know, science fiction even, uh, but fiction, you know, um, there would have been, um, there'd be a book out there written uh, before this virus hit that pre there would be one book that predicted it would come out of Wuhan province, one that predicted it would have come out of, you know, every other province as well. See, this is what you can do too. Um, you can have a 100 authors who are prophets of a sort, you know, when they're doing futuristic sort of predictions. Um, you could have a hundred authors who um, uh, who predict a cor another coronavirus-style virus, you know, because we've had a coronavirus-style virus come out of China before in the past. Um, so, you know, it's, a, it's, it's good food for a novel. You know, so you get... A whole lot of authors, you know, sprinkling uh, novels with predictions about what's going to happen, you know, as a basis for a new story, you know. And they say, oh, well, in the year 2020, there will be a virus that emerges from Beijing, you know. All right, okay, that one didn't come true. And then another author says, in 2022, there will be a virus emerging from Wuhan province, you know, another coronavirus emerging from Wuhan province, you know. Um, and, uh, and that one didn't come true either. And then yet another one will say oh, there's a, a coronavirus-style virus that will emerge in 2035 from Iraq, you know, and they've used an educated guess too because we had a coronavirus-style uh, virus emerge in Iran called MERS some time ago. Okay, so you get all these authors and then, you know, eventually, of course, one... You know, if you get enough authors, one, you know, just takes a stab in the dark and using educated guess, you know, and reasoning as well, because we've had coronaviruses come out of China before and from Iran. And, uh, 
and someone one day writes a novel, ah, blah, 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 I'll make it this, I'll make this one Wuhan, you know, they've got wet markets too, you know, that sort of thing, you know. And they say, all right, um, and, and in a, a, a chapter somewhere, in a novel somewhere, they write, anyway, and in 2000 and, uh, and they're just thinking, oh, 2020, that'll do, 2020, nice round number, a virus, um, a coronavirus-style Ah, uh, oh no, I'll make it Christmas 2019. That sounds nice, you know. Um, a coronavirus-style 2019. Um, I'll use a bit of education here. Hang on. Uh, just when the holiday season is on and Chinese people are going back home for their festival or whatever it is. All right, that'll do. All right. In December 2019, you know, pulling a year off the top of my head, in uh, Wuhan province, that'll do. Um a coronavirus-style virus will emerge from Wuhan province and spread around the world. Um, It will be uh, very deadly and worse than the last one because I want it to be because that'll make a better novel. All right. And then... um, you know, and then a coronavirus, another coronavirus-style virus does pop along, which was, it was bound to happen. We've had a few, I think we've had three already before. And, you know, one comes along and, and hey, that author got it right. And the other hundred authors didn't, but this author got it right. And, um, but the author hasn't, in that novel, that author hasn't gone through his thought processes. He's become a bit of a prophet, you know, uh, because he's hidden his thought processes, but, you know, in retrospect, we can see how he's come to that sort of conclusion. He's picked China, Wuhan province in China. All right, well, that makes sense because, you know, there was another big coronavirus that came along, SARS, a long time ago, not too long ago, um, you know, and that came out of China too, a different province, albeit, you know, but that doesn't matter. Okay, and, and but then, start, you know, people jump on a Facebook and, and he comes across like a prophet then, this author, Ah, because he's hidden his thought processes. And he's come, and the answer is king, you know. So I'll call this episode that, you know? The answer is king, you know. In that context, you know, in, when you're being a prophet, the answer is king. And you must hide, and you should hide your thought processes or you won't come across as so amazing, you know. And especially if you're, um, if you've got a thousand prophets, predicting, you know, the end of the world, whatever, you know. Yeah, you've got prophets every day predicting the end of the world soon. You know, the end is nigh. All right, so every uh, every year you would have a 100 prophets um, predicting that the end of the world is coming next year. All right. Now, one day that's going to come true, maybe, depending on how, depending on how you define end of the world, you know. There might be a ripper virus coming up in 2021, you know, that wipes out the human species. And, you know, look, I'll predict that right now. You know? Now, I'm probably going to be wrong, but on the off chance I'm right, um, I'm going to come across as a great prophet because, you know, if you're the last person alive and you're just about to die and you're listening to this podcast, um, you'll say, oh, my goodness, how did he do that? You know, how did he predict that? That was... You know, it's like a needle in a huge haystack to predict. I'm going to say it's on January the 5th, you know, for fun, 2021. Um, everyone's going to be wiped out except one person. Now, if you're that one person listening to this podcast, you're going to think I'm an amazing prophet, but I'm not. 
yeah, I guessed. But it's not the it's not beyond the realms of possibility. You know, it's possible that a virus could just wipe out uh, the human species out, and you might well be the last person. Now, am I being, you know, did I use some sort of spirituality to uh, come up with that prediction? Now, to you, if you're a bit of a religious person, you would assert that, yes, you know, he had to have had, you know, Charlie Threadbow had, back in May 2020, had to have had contact with the gods, you know, to predict it that accurately on the exact day that I would be the last person alive in the world after a, a super virus uh, ripped through the planet and left me alone, alive, and now here I am dying and this guy predicted that is amazing, you know. So that's another way that prophets work is... Um, you know, that you've got thousands of them. So you can have thousands of prophets even guessing and one of them's going to be right. And um, when uh, when the event comes, when a given event comes along, it doesn't have to be a death of everybody, you know. When the event comes along, people trawl online, you know, and, and find the prophet, there'll be one, who got it right. And then um, start posting that all over Instagram and Facebook and all that sort of stuff, and everyone goes, ooh, ah, Glenn McGrath. You know, that person must have some sort of contact with um, the spirit world to have be such a great prophet, you know. Now, yeah, and, and that, but really, it's just that that prophet happened to be the one that won Tats Lotto using a combination of, you know, guessing and reasoning, educated guesses, basically, you know. So that's that. Um, but the key is, look, I've actually taken you through my thought processes now, but if you hadn't heard my thought processes in coming to that date of January the 5th, 2021, has been the day when the world would end, for all humans at least, um, I've taken you through my thought processes, so I'm not going to quite come across as a prophet. That is true, you know. Um, but then again, how are you going to pay me anyway? I'll be dead. You're the last person alive, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, but... Uh, many prophets don't, you know, they hide their thought processes and that's the art of being a prophet, to hide your thought processes and, and, um, and, and just publish the answer only. You know, most scriptures are like that and all that sort of thing. Now, a, a single given prophet, if, if that prophet is good at marketing, doesn't even need hundreds of other prophets uh, Donald Trump, Donald Trump, he's a bit of a prophet like that. He makes leaps of faith all the time. And he makes mm, 100 predictions a month. 1,000. Sometimes, sometimes 50 predictions in a given sentence. Okay, one of them ends up coming true, usually. And, and he does the big, I told you so. Um, and he puts a circle around that and makes a big deal about that, you know, of the 50 predictions he made in one sentence. Yeah, he, and he's doing this straight from um, his gut as such. Um, he's um, he's uh, free thinking. And he comes up with, all you know, I think we're going to have, uh, you know, I think... Um, and he continuously, for example, on the theme of viruses, he continually says, continuously sort of says, every month he says... This virus, I think it's going to end next month. You know, somewhere sprinkled in all his speeches is that comment. You know, excuse the rain on my tin shed. 
It's fantastic, actually. I love the rain on my shed. And it may pour and you won't even be able to hear me. That's when I really like this shed. It's my office. Come shed. Yeah. And it's brilliant. Um, I just had someone come in, actually, and I said, hey, but, you know, someone visited. But our first visit, by the way, for months by someone, um, social distancing, all that. Um, and she said, this reminds me of... Um, an office, you know, like from the movie A Beautiful Mind. <laughs> and obviously, you know, my my rejoinder to that was, well, there's just one thing missing. <laughs> anyway, jokes aside. Um, so, um, yeah, a prophet like Donald Trump, yes. Uh he, he he's always predicting things, and yes, and the and the focus and and the focus then becomes on the thing that he got right, you know, and uh, Trump supporters drown out the people say, hey, but he predicted five hundred things and he got one right. That doesn't make him a prophet, but um, you know, Facebook is relentless, and his correct prediction is put up in lights, and the others are sort of just pushed aside, you know, and uh, people do that on the other side of the fence. You know, think of the last great prophecy you heard from someone who was in touch with the spirit world and uh, have a real think. You know, did it come from the spirit world? Or, you know, think about their prediction. Um, I'll bet that they had to know a fair bit about what was possible before they even made that prediction. Oh, that's a bird on my roof. Okay, all that. Anyway, so that's, look. All of that was about prophets and the fact that the idea of being a prophet of any sort, whether that's a novelist or anything else or a president um, or you know, an oracle back in Greece, the idea is to hide your reasoning and just give the answer. Okay, now I was thinking about, and I should have mentioned this before, I was thinking about game shows on TV. Now, um, we used to have a game show called Sale of the Century, which was, before it was that, uh, it was called Temptation, you know, Tony Barber. We used to have a game show called Temptation, which turned into a game show called Sale of the Century. And in that game show, it's a quiz show, again, the answer was king in that game show too. And for a lot of people, the answer is king. You know, they've got pilot mentality. You know that pilot that I mentioned? Did I mention him? can't remember um you know there's a storm ahead and um and you um you want the pilot to make the right decision should we go through should we punch through the storm or should we turn around and go back you and you really don't care what's in the pilot's head he's the pilot he's the expert just make the right call please you know and a lot of people are like that with all sorts of things politics things politics you know uh, social science, everything, as long as people come up with, you know, what they think is the right answer, people, you know, base their, uh, let's say, skills and intelligence in that field based on whether they've come up with the right answer. You know, so, so say someone says there's going to be a, re you know, someone like Donald Trump says uh, there'll be a revolution on Christmas Day this year and the Republic that is the United States of America will be overturned and I shall be crowned first emperor of the empire of the United States of America in the USA um, on Christmas Day this year. 
you know, Donald Trump might say something like that. Ooh, he'd love that, you know. I'm not sure that he's a Julius Caesar type, though. Not quite. He's not up to that level, I don't think. Um, in ancient Rome, it was people that came after the people like Donald Trump that became the the, the big ones, you know, the Julius Caesars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, someone like Donald Trump would be just a canary in the mine warning the world what's coming, you know. He, he's not of the same caliber as Julius Caesar. But the point is, it's possible. And Donald Trump may make a prediction that, you know, the USA, the Republic, uh, crashes and burns and an empire takes its place and he, and he becomes the first emperor. All right. Now, um, and if that comes true on Christmas Day this year, he will be seen as the greatest... Uh, political scientists in his own mind he will um, he will market himself as smarter than every political scientist on the planet because he was the only one who predicted that what he's doing there is he's going with the idea that the answer is always king if you come up with the right answer then you're the smartest you know? now you know where this one's coming going you know. sometimes people who come up with the wrong answers um, were the smart ones <laughs> in this world. That, you know, we all know that's the case. And that's where this episode wants to go next. Let me think about that. Um, so you could have a genius social scientist that predicts that the republic, that is the United States of America, continues on into 2021 and beyond. And then Donald Trump predicting that it won't. It'll crash and burn. And then it does crash and burn in... Uh, on Christmas Day, 2020. Now, if you're into pilot thinking, I'll call it pilot thinking, you know, that pilot, you know, who um, just makes a decision whether to punch through that cloud, that storm, or to turn back and go back to the airport. Uh, if you've got pilot thinking, and you don't care even if the pilot is guessing, you know, because the pilot might just flip a coin up there in the cockpit for all you know, but if he gets the answer right, you'll say that he's a great pilot. Yeah? But another pilot... In another plane, you know, 50 miles to the west, um, he, did, you know, he may elect to punch through the storm and logically you know, he might use a lot of reasoning and, um, and his, uh, his option might be the best one, all things considered. Anyway, one pilot, look, let's say it, it, it is wisest to punch through the storm on this occasion based on all um, previous examples of aeroplanes in this situation before, you know, because there's some danger in turning around as well in the face of a storm. So let's say all things considered, based on all previous evidence of all aeroplane travel in history, um, that the wisest thing to do is to punch through the storm. All right, let's say that. So one pilot uses all that reasoning, has been studying um, the history of aviation, all that sort of stuff, and that pilot decides to punch through the storm. The other pilot flips a coin and turns around, you know, because it came up tails, and turns around and goes back to the airport. Now, the one that punched through the storm, uh, that plane crashes. And the pilot who flipped a coin and decided to go back... Um, he got, you know, as it turned out, the storm, in a very freaky way, changed direction at the last instant, 
and didn't knock that pilot out. Now, that's interesting. Which pilot got it right? Well, if I'm a passenger, I would say the one that flipped the coin. But if I'm a judge on who was the better pilot on that occasion, I would say the better pilot was the one that crashed. Now, you know where I'm going with all of this, I'm sure. I don't want to come up... I don't want to end up with a conclusion to this episode. I just want to, you know, just talk about it. You know, talk about the way that you can have wrong reasoning and get the right result, and you can have right reasoning and get the wrong result, that sort of thing. Or you can have intelligent reasoning and get the wrong result, the wrong answer, and you can have nigh on stupid reasoning and get the right answer. You know, we all know that one. Um, and it becomes a question of, you know, when do you care about the reasoning and when do you care about whether a a pilot, for example, gets the right answer or not. Now, what I would do is give the the pilot that survived there, you know, that turned the plane around and um, came back to the airport, you know, I'd give him the sack. That's the first thing I'd do. I'd say, thank you very much for not killing everybody, but you're suspended. You know, your pilot's licence is revoked because that was a stupid thing to do. Foolish. You know, that's what I would do if I was... The CAA, is that the Civil Aviation Authority? You know, I'd give that pilot a sack, the sack, you know. And the pilot that crashed the plane, everyone did, you know. Um, If I was the CAA, you know, I would say he was a good pilot. He never made a mistake. You know, that's what I would say if I was the Civil Aviation Authority uh, because he followed all regulations and he made the right call based on, you know, his learning during pilot school and all that sort of stuff. He did all the right things. Now, if I was a passenger, you know, I I would be glad if I was on the aeroplane with the stupid pilot. So that's a different sort of focus, isn't it? So sometimes the answer is king and sometimes the thought processes are king and the answer doesn't matter. You know, is that true? Sometimes, you know. Um, So that's what this is all about. Um, now, I was talking about game shows before. Yes, we used to have this game show called Sale of the Century. And um, the thought processes didn't matter as long as you got the right answer. And I'm sure people guessed a lot what the right answer was. Got it right and went home with the car, you know. It didn't matter that the thought processes were wrong. It was irrelevant as long as... <laughs> You didn't put too big a, a look of a surprise on your face when the answer was right. <laughs> you could come across really smart if you guessed your way through to the car. I had to take a break for a few hours just then. Oh, but you can't tell that. <laughs> it was just a few seconds, wasn't it? Um, what was I talking about? I, uh... Sale of the century. Uh, yes, so, um, now, there's another game show out, up and about these days uh, called Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? I might have mentioned, mentioned it earlier, and I might not have. Uh, but in that show, Eddie Maguire uh, gives the contestants plenty of time to uh, think 
Uh, and not only that, you know, in between uh, data in and data out, you know, asking the question and getting the answer. Now, um, and, and not only that, he tends to ask the contestants in that quiz show, tell, you know, tell us about your thought processes. Yeah. Now, what that means is that in that show, the, uh, the, the data processing, the thinking, yeah, the working has some value. Otherwise, the show wouldn't do that. Yeah? I think a lot of people hate that bit of the show, but enough people must like it for that to be included in the show. It must rate. Uh, so my thought is that in that show, in that circumstance, um, the showing your workings, as we used to call it in mathematics, has value. It may not get you the car, but it, it may allow you to go home empty-handed, but with your head held high uh, because you showed that you were smart and just happened to get the wrong answer. Oh, look, you wouldn't care, would you? Because you didn't get the car. <laughs> you'd walk off there and you'd go, shit, <laughs> I don't care if I look stupid or not. I wanted that car, you know. Ford Laser, <laughs> 1975 model. It's great. Ah, oh, well, anyway. So, um... So... Uh, that's that, yeah. I kind of forget where this... I think I might... I forget where I had got up to earlier, but I think I might have covered everything already in this episode. Uh, so I might just stop. Um... Um, but given that I happened to mention mathematics, um, I'll just mention that that was a situation you know, when I was a kid or when I was you know, a teenager. Uh, that was a situation when uh, the answer was not king you know, in the higher levels of school. Uh, the answer, if you came up with the right answer, answer in mathematics or physics, or anything else to do with the sciences, uh, if you happen to get the right answer, um, but your workings, your logic to get to that answer uh, was wickety-whack, you could get zero. A score of zero, you could fail. You, you could get the right answer and fail. I know that sounds unbelievable in the world of Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, you know, where the answer is king. You know, just, uh, but uh, there are situations where if, if, you're, if, if your logic is wickety-whack and you get the right answer anyway, uh, no one's going to pass you. You're going to fail. Uh, and that's true of math, you know, mathematics when you're doing exams. You have to show your workings. In fact, um, for long problems, you know, a, a problem might be worth 24 points, you know, 24 marks out of 400 or whatever in, a, in an exam. And 
uh, let's say you've got this really long problem in physics or something and it takes 40 steps to get to the end of the problem and then right at the last minute you, f you forget to uh, add the zero. You know, the answer is 200, let's say, and you write 20 by accident. But all your workings have been perfect right throughout and the only thing you got wrong was the answer at the end. Um, it's possible that you would get full marks, full marks from uh, a wise physics examiner. Uh, or look, he might take half a mark off because you got the wrong answer. Now, as it turns out, you know, you might be that pilot earlier uh, who one day <laughs> drops a zero and gets everybody killed in a plane crash somehow. Yeah, you do everything right except the last bit. <laughs> Yeah, that's possible. But in general, yeah, look, there are situations in which the answer is not king. Um, um, and in a physics exam, that's such a case. Yeah, this episode's finished. Thanks for coming.